At Enniscorty Credit Union, you can now sign up to a new MyCU current account with debit MasterCard. A current account that offers low monthly fees, no transaction fees for students up to age 24, is globally accepted with Google and Apple Pay, and they have real people there to chat to. Access your money anytime, anywhere with the Enniscorty CU app. Open a MyCU current account today with Enniscorty Credit Union and save money. The MyCU debit card is issued by UAB PayerNet, pursuant to license by MasterCard International Inc. Terms and conditions apply. Enniscorthy Credit Union is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about next week. Really I listen to dancing at the crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get <laughs> Tony is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game changer. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Come on, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Wexford Hurling Podcast. Yes, you heard that right. We're no longer the Hurling Podcast. We are the Wexford Hurling Podcast, showing our full commitment to Wexford Hurling. Well, Ben, are you excited to be back? I am. Very, very much looking forward to the year ahead. Well, what a way to come back. This week, we speak to the king that is Billy Byrne. I mean, Ben, describe how much you've been looking forward to this episode. This is the, this is the one episode I've wanted to do for so long, but I was afraid to do it because, you know, it's, it's just a god. He is a god. I, I mean, I mean, he's our logo. <laughs> <laughs> that is the respect we have for the king, Billy. Well, Ben gets us started with Billy speaking about the one-two he scored coming off the bench in the '97 Leinster final win against Kilkenny. Not many people know this now, but before I go to bed every night, I watch the last 10 minutes of the Leinster final in 97. I heard a rumour. I don't know whether it's true or not. Maybe you can shed some light on it. Is it true that before he goes to bed every night, Pat O'Neill checks under the bed for you? <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you a good story about that. The, the great Jimmy McGee, the memory man. I was up, I happened to be up in the, the boxing up in, Used to go into the All Ireland boxing there, but was in the one like he used to be always in there. And uh, I had I got a few gunkers of Heineken in me anyway, and he came in along and was he came out, he was walking over towards me, and I would have met him once or twice before, you know. And uh, I says to I says to him, Jimmy McGee, I says I have two questions for you: the greatest hurler you ever saw, and why was I? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me, he says, to be honest with you, he says, you were the best hurler I ever saw for 10 minutes. <laughs> he was fairly, he was fairly sharp, but a, a nice guy, but yeah, them 10 minutes, I'm sorry to remember for them 10 minutes, all right, you know, but it's nice, it was nice to get 10 minutes of that, you know, the way it worked out in the end, you know, very good. The year before as well, on a, on a different fight, you weren't, you didn't, 
do Pat O'Neill two years in a row, was it? it was a different fella in the... Uh, it was in actually, it was, it was Pat the Wire the year before that, you know. Pat would have been, I was one of the best fullbacks. He was a brilliant guy to block and hook and I was very, he was a very, very good fullback, you know. And he would have got the better of me on a lot of occasions. But 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 that day, we had worked on it actually in training. In fairness to Griffin, had worked on it fairly strong in training. And, you know, most times when you grab the ball, he had me working that, when you grab the ball, you'd always turn for the goal straight away. But he had me that when when you and there's only small things, and you wouldn't realize it at the time that the minute you get the ball, you turn and head for the goal. Or you, but he said instead of heading for the goal, step back out and take your shot. And we had worked on it in training, and you'd say to yourself, "Geez, I don't know if this is working or not." But it actually did. Good. I got that half a yard away from Pat the Wire because usually he would block you and he'd be gone, you know. But uh, that time, no, it worked out well. It came at the right time, you know. They were coming back at us, and I know it was a. We had sort of it's a bit like Kilkenny and Wexford now. We're getting good results again now. We got good results there for we say after '93, come '95, '96, '97, even '98. We were we were up there with with the likes of Kilkenny and Offaly and and, and the top teams at the time, you know. You played for Gorey, but the brothers played for Ballygarrett. What was the story there? Well, the story was I was actually it was born just outside of Gorey. Was born of Marfield, the lodge in Marfield House is where I was born. And it was just inside the Gorey. I would have went to school in Gorey. And back in 1972, I was born in 1960, but in 72, um, moved out to my grandparents' house out in Cordon. But I kept hurling with Gorey and didn't all the underage at that stage I would have been playing with Gorey and my brothers. Me my other brother Michael actually played one of minor Championship back again, Buffers Alley back in 1981. He was on that team that, that sort of bit Buffers Alley in the in the county final that year in the yeah in 81. So and then he he played with him, but my younger brother would have played Seamus. He would have played with Ballygarrett all his life. So was it Michael then that made the transfer from Gorey to Ballygarrett? It would have been yeah back in say about 82, 83 maybe he moved out to 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 play with Ballygarrett. That's because he was. He was living in all out there at that stage, you know. I had moved back into Gorey, we'll say back in 78, 79, I moved back into Gorey. So only I lived out in Ballina Trail there at the top of the Red Rock for six to seven years, but I never left Gorey. I played at Gorey for all of my life and happy to do so. You were, you were never tempted? No, I actually played. I went off on a bus one day with him. We went up to, I think it was 1980, 81 league final. Kilkenny and uh, Kilkenny and Wexford and the, um, at that time Ballygarrett well it was actually Ray Namara had a junior team and they went up and they played a team in Dublin and I went up with him and I played centre back and that was the only match I ever played at Ray Namara I never played at Ray Namara Ballygarrett but I did play with Ray Namara at that time they were a junior club and they actually came along and we brought or my uncle Billy would have been involved in them at that time and they had a good team actually they won the junior and they went up intermediate the giant then sort of them and Bally Garrett came back and would have had a good team there maybe mid 80s late 80s they would have had a good football team did you play you played minor for two years or actually was it 77 78 I actually played minor hurling in 76 77 and 78 and I played football in 70 77 and 78 we got beaten got beaten in the, the Leinster final in 77 by Kilkenny 
But 70, the, the big thing about 76 and 77 was we were lucky that we were in the, we were just alongside the, the senior team who won the Leinster final in 76 and 77. So we got beaten in the minor end of it, but it was, it was nice to be there in Crow Park and be part of a Wexford team that had actually won a senior. And it would, like, I suppose like, you'd remember it now at that, at that time that that Wexford team was, was an exceptional team. And in 78, then we got through to the Leinster football final. And Dublin beat us in the Leinster football final, minor Leinster football final. But that, that was a good team as well. There was a lot of, it was actually, I think there was nine of that football, minor football team ended up playing senior hurling with Wexford. Seamus Henry, Sack Welsh, Skinner Welsh, myself. And there was a lot of them, a lot of them played senior hurling with, uh, with, with Wexford after that. And they were beaten in, but that was a very, that was an exceptional Dublin team. Barney Rock, Kieran Duff, Pat Canavan did. They were a brilliant team. And there was a lot of them on the 83 team that won the All-Ireland. Well, they won it everywhere, whatever way you wanted to play in, in the 83 football All-Ireland, you know. So you played three years minor hurling with Wexford and two years minor football. Yeah, back then, and a lot of the time I would have, I would have partnered uh, George O'Connor, would have been a year older than me. Back in 70, 76 and 77, George would have been an exceptional exceptional athlete and GA player that's for sure but um yeah at, at that time I suppose you didn't really look to see what age you were or anything you just turned up and played and glad to be a part of it as I say it was it was nice to be in Crow Park in 76 and 77 when they won the senior Lancer titles and would you have split your time between football and Ireland completely or would it be similar to nowadays where you still play football, but every, most of the training you do will be hurling. At that time, you would have, like, we would have, you'd have been out three or four nights a week. I mean, it's nothing compared to what it is now. Uh, the day of your jewel star is sort of finished, to be honest with you. Even at, at underage, you'll see it even at club level now. I think the jewel star is nearly any of the top teams that are there. You, you see it with Kim McCool this year, you see it with Nafina. They basically have a, a hurling team and a football team, and that's at club level. So to try and do it at, at inter-county level is just not feasible anymore, to be honest with you. Um, but at that time, like you would have been training three nights a week. You would have had the time to do it, but certainly not now. And you, you would have never looked at it. I mean, I played hurling and football under 21 and senior as well. The senior, was, it, it was tough at the time because you were away a lot of weekends, especially with the football we had a good football team at the time. Tony Dempsey would have been over us and Father McCabe would have been involved in it at that time as well. But, you know, there were good times. We had some good uh, we had some good matches and we done very well in football. But nowadays, it's just it's just not even at underage level. It's very, very hard to do. You weren't brought into the Harlan straight away, were you? You took a bit, you played football first and you weren't brought into the senior Harlan until you were about 24, See? was it? I think I was, I was brought into the football in 1981 and 82, 83 for about three to four years. I was brought, I went, I brought into the hurling team in 82, actually played in the league, the, the start of the league, 82, 83, would have played against Waterford. I remember playing on John Galvin, who got an all-star that year and was taken off, I think, with about 10 minutes to go. Shawnee Kinsley actually came on for me. But then I, I played the football in 82, 83, and then I came in, at the start of the league of 83, 84, that's where I came in. And the first few games, I think the first game, we actually we had a good result over in Galway. Then we beat Kilkenny down in Kilkenny. And at that time, Kilkenny were, they were the team to beat. And they, were, they won the All-Ireland in 82 and 83. We beat them in Wexford Park in the league that year. We qualified for the league 
final in Limerick gave us a bit of a trimming down in, in Turlestad there in, in, in 84. And the following, we went in to play a championship then in 84 against Kilkenny. And we beat Kilkenny that day. Tony Dorn scored a goal in the last minute, put us through to the Leinster final. And at that time, there was no backdoor. Offaly beat us in the Leinster final in 84. Yeah, there were, there were busy times at, at that stage, you know, about in hurling and football, but I decided after the 84, I mean, Offaly beat us in 82, they won the All-Ireland. Dublin beat us in 83 in football, they won the All-Ireland. And Dublin beat us again in 84. And it was, it was, then I decided maybe hurling was the game for me, to be honest with you, because we were making, we had a good league team. We were on lucky actually in the league in 82 in the football end of it, but uh, championship, we always, Leinster was, was very, very hard to get out at that stage, you know, so, and, Plus, it was taking up a lot of your time, you know, training. Training at that stage, even to be training four nights a week, was was fairly tough, you know. So I decided to opt out of football and go for the hurling. Were you hoping now? Because you, I think, for the first couple of years, Tony Dorn was in, was in with the hurlers with you. Were you hoping then that Tony retired so you could have his full forward spot? No, it was the last thing you'd be hoping for because anyone, to be honest with you. Uh, so Tony Dorn was in the enigma at that time, you know. I was I was lucky when I came on the team in '83 that you had Tony Dorn, Mick Jacob, John Conran, these type of hurlers, you know, they were that all played Johnny Murphy, that all played a lot of them had played in the '76, '77 All Ireland, you know, and and John Nolan in the goal, and there was six or seven of that team, and I was lucky to come in with that bunch, you know. They they were sort of finishing up. Then there was a bit of Tony retired in '84. Mick Jacob in 85, we had a bit of a lean period there for about three or four years. And, you know, there was there was building a new team and we had some very good wins. But again, when you're building a new team, you don't have the consistency. And that's where we would have been, you know, we would have would have found it very hard for the for to make the breakthrough. And it wasn't really till say the early, I'd say the early nineties was where we had a, a very good team, still couldn't make the breakthrough. You know, we were qualifying for league finals, Leinster finals, and there was no back door at the time, so you didn't get a second bite at the cherry. But I think we were beaten, 1990 up to 96, we were beaten in four league finals, beaten in three Leinster finals, and 96 sort of turned the whole lot around. Never got a league title, but it wasn't the fact that we didn't play in enough finals. We played in a lot of finals there in the early years and just didn't, Kilkenny beat us, then Offaly beat us, then Cork beat us. There was a lot of teams, you know, that we came up and we just could not get across that line. But, um, you know, when Liam came in, there was a big change. Even in 95, we found it very hard, but Liam was starting to put the structures in place that were really going to draw us over the line, and, and thank God it did. He kind of brought in a new professionalism kind of to the setup, but were you, you, you were already quite professional in your approach all the way up, no? You would, you would have been, to be honest with you, um, just all you wanted to do was, was train, get yourself. I'd say our, our, big, our big thing was we were physically, probably physically strong enough. Your mental aspect of it was where we, you know, we were always looking in the last 10 minutes, we were always looking for the, you know, try and finish out again before the end of a game. You were hoping that instead of, you know, instead of looking forward to the last 10 minutes and really going for it. And I think that was the big turnaround. Mentally is where, where we were often broken. It wasn't physically. Physically, we had some of the best hurlers and the fittest hurlers on the field, but mentally is where, and I'd say any of the older guys that were with me at that time would have been the first ones to say it. When, when you get in a route that you just cannot get over the line, you start looking back and, instead of looking forward. 
And once you start looking back at especially negative things, it nearly ends up being negative for you. But uh, I will say when Liam came in, it just brought a whole new positivity to the to the whole setup. And it was everything that he, he talked about, everything he'd done was was in a positive mode. And that eventually sort of turned out to be the way it happened on the field as well. You know, you could see these things happen. You believed it was going to happen. And I suppose the big thing then and now, and it hasn't changed a whole lot, is, is belief that you can do it. He did give us a belief. And once you start to believe that, the last five minutes is probably where you really enjoy if you believe you're going to win a match. And no matter when it be, be it the Leinster final or the first round of the championship, when you look forward to the 10 minutes, and I think, I think that's the big difference between the likes of a Kilkenny, the likes of a Limerick now, they know what they can do in the last 10 minutes. And it's very, very hard to break that mould unless you really surpass them as regards your, your mentality going into the last 10 minutes. When you mentioned about um, struggling mentally and when you look back on things negatively, they'll affect you negatively. Was that something in particular that Liam might have focused on just with all the league finals that you couldn't get over the line in in the early 90s? Oh, certainly. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we were beaten in the league final, I think it was 1-9 to 10 points or something. I mean, you're looking at a bad game of football in the middle of the winter for a scoreline like that. And this, this wasn't coming into the early summer, but it was just to be, could not break that mold of, of getting over the line. And once it was done, the pressure was like, everyone was saying about the All-Ireland, but the winning the Leinster final in 96 just took so much pressure off a lot of players that they really only started to express themselves once that once that gate opened. And uh, it certainly, you know, his, his ability to know that that was the real problem. And, like, there would have been different aspects of it, not only from our own professional end of it, but even from, say, the selector end of it, you know, all the, the backroom team and everything, really, he brought a professional that, that was probably lacking up to that. And was there anything in particular that he put a positive spin on on his getting to all those finals or how did he get rid of the negative connotations around not getting over the line? Well, again, he left no stone on turn to, to bring in people who, who basically, this is their job. And he brought in Neil Fitzpatrick, who was a sports psychologist. And like we would have been at that time, don't get me wrong, we were a team that we, we enjoyed our wins and, Unfortunately, sometimes we even enjoyed, you know, the losses because what could you do? When you, you know, when you, when you weren't getting there, you just couldn't get that it affected you that much. But uh, certainly, Nephis Patrick would have had a big bear. Liam was very positive in his own manner. Both Seamus Barron, Rory Kinsler, any of the backroom team that he brought in had that just that positivity about him. But bringing in Nephis Patrick was the, the cog that needed to be to be found and, and certainly the way she worked with us and what she told us to do, the way we needed to do it and the way we need needed focus basically on the, on the positive end of the game and, and, and what it meant to be when you see yourself winning and what exactly it meant to you. All that, it, it takes a while for the process all that. He brought her in early enough for, for us to get that chance to process and when it did and yet you'd say to yourself, if you stood back and questioned it, it wasn't going to happen. So you just had to see yourself doing it day in, day out, and every day. And that's the way it worked out. I know it's very, very hard when if you haven't done it to, um, to exercise something that you don't believe in. But he had us that we we did believe in him, what she wanted us to do, what she wanted us to focus on, 
And it certainly it was the thing that got us over the line. Bringing Damon Fitzhenry coming into the goal, he gave the thing about a good goalkeeper is he, he gives confidence to the forwards. If, the, if if you know that the guy, the full back line and the goalkeeper is not going to give away freeze and not going to give away soft goals, you see a ball going in, you see Damien catching it, coming out between two or three pairs and drives it up the field. That gets the crowd going, but you know that's going to happen. It does, you're not worried about a score going down the other end because you know it's not going to happen. So all you have to do is look after your end of it then when the, when the ball does arrive in your area. Easy. Easy once it gets up to you. Well, I think as, as I say, there's a big difference between having pressure on you in the last 10 minutes or looking forward to the last 10 minutes. We would have been beaten in most of the league finals and, and Leinster finals and replays and everything we were beaten in. It was always the last seven to 10 minutes. And that's where Liam really focused on. Our hurling up to the for the first 50 minutes was as good as hurling that any team played in Ireland. But our big problem was the last 10 minutes. And certainly when when you get to, to believe that you can do something, that's when you really enjoy the last 10 minutes. And when you're enjoying the last 10 minutes of any game, more than likely, you're the team that's going to be victorious. Even, say, in 1998, we were unlucky. We got caught where we still, we still thought we had the game. And it was a Johnny Dooley sort of goal that went through about 10 different players from about 40 yards out of spot. Because we actually believed we were going to win the Leinster final that year. You know, in, in 97, we were the same. We beat Dublin, we beat Offaly, we beat Kilkenny, and, and uh, Tipperary caught us. I do believe that the injuries both to Rod Guiney and to Gary Laffin were a big a big say in, in the way that that game ended up. We would have given anything, to be honest with you, to play Clare in 97. That's where we wanted to be. Clare had won it in 95. We won it in 96. It was going to be the showdown. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I think it would have been a serious game of hurling if we had a miss. So what you were trying to tell us there, Billy, is that Liam Griffin put a huge focus on the last 10 minutes of the games, the exact time that he used to bring you on. It was all leading up to you coming in. Yeah, and, and funny, that, that's the way it was. I, I had a job to do. We, we had spoke about it. We, he told us what was going to happen. The game was going to change. The running, there wasn't much running going to come into the game. When we got the ball in the half-forward line or midfield, I was going to be coming in and it was going to be coming in high. And you're just focused on what you had to do. Basically, your job was to get that ball no matter how you got it. And we would have worked on it in training. And, and, and always, it takes a while to get it. But once you start to do it once or twice, you do actually start to believe that this is this is the way it should be. This this is what I've trained for. And he would, he'd get you ready. He'd have a word in your ear. And he'd basically say, it's up to you now. We, we, we can't do that now here. You're going in, you know your job. You're, you've done it every night in training. It doesn't change. And it didn't, it, like the, the way we heard probably did, as I say, if Fenno got the ball, it was going to be coming in. It was going to be coming in fast. And, you know, the same if Gerald Cush got it. You know, if Liam Dunn got it, it was going to be coming in. And you just, you knew your job. Your job was to get the ball, lay it off to someone. Or if you couldn't lay it off to someone, to make sure that you'd done something positive with it. And you did. I, I enjoy, I have to be honest now, I did enjoy it. Going back when I used to be brought on, we'd say, or even taken off me, you just didn't feel that, that you had given it your all. You know, because you felt there was more in you, but it just it just wasn't happening because you're you're working off a negative background, really. So when the positive when you got that positive vibe, it really is hard to let go of it. And it does give you that belief 
that, that want that little bit of belief that gets you that extra point when it really counts for the winning match. When we were talking to Liam on the podcast, he did he talked about working with you and the repetitiveness of catch, touch, and bang. What well, was that as repetitive as he made it sound in training? Was was that your focus on on ball work with catch, touch, and bang? That was it. And like the Welsh Cup, I think the Welsh Cup was a lot of people go mad now about the short puck out, but they had worked on one puck out, but going into the, the Welsh Cup final in Wexford Park again, awfully. And he said about 10 minutes to go, it actually, I started that game, but about 10 minutes to go, he says, there's going to be a wide or they're going to get a score and we need to get a score back from it. So what's going to happen here is that Damien Fitzhenry is going to find Liam Dunn and Liam Dunn is going to hit the ball into you and you're going to finish it. And that's the way he said it to me. I went in about 10 minutes to go. Actually, my brother Seamus was playing in that match as well. Funny enough. No. But uh, Damien pinged it to Liam Dunn. Liam Dunn, I was sort of maybe 10 yards to one side of the square. Liam, I wasn't that high now, straight into the hand, turned around, stuck it in the net. And that's that's the way Griffin said it was going to happen. That's the way. And, you know, when, when you see these things and you actually do it, then you start to believe winning that Welsh Cup would have, like, winning is a feeling that 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 is hard to beat if you get into that rhythm of winning. And that's what Liam did. We, we were beaten in the league quarterfinal Galway because actually Damien Fitzhenry was ring back that day on Joe Rabbit and the beat is down in Limerick. And uh, coming out of that match, Liam did say that Damien won't be playing wing back the next day. We're playing, he'll be back in the goal, and that's and it was. And, and you know, just them small things. But he had some belief in 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 us. Like in fairness to Liam, it was took us a while maybe to have the belief in Liam, but he had the belief in us from day one. He just saw something in us coming in the, in the late nineties. He just saw something in the team that he believed could win in All Ireland. And he wasn't too far wrong, in fairness. Was there part of you that was thinking, Jeez, I'm doing great here when I come on. I should be starting. No, I, I, I was told what my job was. Um, he, he was going to start me in one or two games and, and uh, he said, we might start, you might not. I said, look, at the end of the day, I'm just happy enough. Things are going. I, I had sort of retired in 94 and he was the one that had back and he told me exactly what he wanted me to do. He believed that I had the hurling for the for to be part of a setup that was going to win in All Ireland. And when you hear that, I did I always believe that if we had a good professional, and I mean good professional, that that team was good enough, probably good enough in the early nineties to have won at least not a Leinster title, certainly one or two league titles in an All Ireland. And it wasn't until now to be professional, you have to be professional yourself, everyone, every part of that team. And he made sure after 95, when he really took a grip of the whole lot himself, he made sure that everyone, we were all disciplined. We knew what to do as regards training. It was fairly tough and rigorous training, but as I was saying, on the physical end of it and even on the, on the mental end of it. But once you got to enjoy it and you started to believe that, you could feel that it was the right thing to be doing. And um, I think, you know, George would have been a year older than me, but we campaigned a long time. Then Tom Dempsey and Martin Story would have came along there then. But for myself and George, who 
we were there in 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 the at underage level, and we were the same. And we were beaten in a few Leinster finals at underage, under twenty one, and then even up the senior. You know, for to clear that hurdle, hurdle as a as a big and and just we're looking at Joe Canning there. Just tell you what people ask you what it means and everything. And the first thing is the pressure, the relief of pressure. Something, something else now, you know, and everyone's there is a how do you experience it? The experience turns straight to your family because these are the ones that brought you into the game, these are the ones who supported you, good times, the bad times, and really, all when you won the All Ireland, the things that really stick in your memory is, is the smile on your own people, the, the smile of your, your mother, your father, the people that have, that have been involved in you. And you can't, it's very hard to express what right at that time when the final whistle is blown what it feels like but pressure pressure coming out of it and you see the steam coming out of pressure cooker to a certain degree mm-hmm. that's what I was like and then it's the it's the it's the madness that goes with it then the madness of joy that goes with it it's just brilliant yeah the, the way Anna Martin described it to us was like it was the it's not really him making the sacrifice it's his family that make the sacrifice it is a hundred percent. They make the sacrifice. They have to live when things go bad. They have to listen to what's being said. And you know, why didn't they do this? Why didn't Billy or why didn't George or why didn't Jer do this? You know, this would have won it for us. And they, everyone looks at that end of it, and they have to listen to that. And it's some relief to them as well. It is a serious relief to them. But then you only realise maybe a day or two after what it really means to the whole county, the respect that you get within your own country for winning an All-Ireland. Just something else now, you know, and, and maybe we didn't, and to a certain degree, we probably still, I still don't realise the respect that we got for for doing that, you know. It's a, it was a feat that I never thought that was that, that was going to happen. But when it did, the respect and the, the humility that, that people have towards you is a really, the medal is it's brilliant to get the medal, but them other small little things that add up to make it such an occasion is, is, is what makes it. And had you, had you made an official announcement that you retired in 94? Released a statement um, on Twitter or anything? I, I bet, Paddy, I had, no, there was no Twitter or anything at that time, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> a lot of people would have, would have made it for you, to be honest with you. But no, I, I just, we, we went to, at that time, it was starting to get a bit ragged. We were beaten in the 93 Leinster final. We were beaten in the 93 league. And it was, it was hard to, to motivate yourself to go back. The selectors were hard to motivate. There was things happening that I didn't like what was happening was going on. And I felt that it was time for me to move on. If they were going to be putting a new, new basically a new team together, wherever it was time for me to move on. And I decided we, we went up to play... I think we played down in the league that year and on the way back the game was called off and on the way back I just decided that I'm, I'm out this and um, I opted out and they went back up I think the following week I was, the following week they went back up to down for the replay and down beat him and I was saying to myself I think I made the right decision there <laughs> but uh, yeah they, at that time there was a bit of a change with everything that was going on after after it's been so unlucky in 93 you know uh, the, the whole atmosphere had changed and everything wasn't in China and it was time to get out and I did I got out back in 94 I finished in 94 and then I think it was um, there was a, I went down in Nolan Park they were playing Dublin and there was a bit of a row well it was a major row between Dublin and, and uh, 
and make sure George O'Connor got sent off, Tom Dempsey got sent off, Eamon Scallon was called off or carried off. He was concussed, he was carried off. And it was a uh, Dublin were beating us now. He was in the stand with, with Sack Welch and Dublin were beating us and you couldn't see any. And actually Wexford scraped the draw. But now the, the boys were suspended and they couldn't play. And I got a phone call. I got a phone call that Monday evening from Bill Nolan, who was the secretary. And uh, uh, he says to me, um, the selectors want you back. Want to know when you come back. And I said, but it's your Bill Day may ask me. You you were asking me to go back for you, but as the selectors, so I said they need to ring me Tuesday or Wednesday or let me know what the story is because they were playing the following Saturday. So there was nothing happening that Tuesday. I didn't get any phone call or anything. And I came home that Wednesday and my father was in the kitchen and uh, he says, are you going down training tonight? And he says, I don't, don't think so. He says, I think you better. I said, why is that? He says, because you're named a full forward on the paper. <laughs> 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 so, so I went down. I went, went down the following Thursday, and we played Dublin, and we scored two three that day again. Dublin in Nolan Park in the replay, and we scored. I ended up getting leading scorer in Leinster that year. <laughs> in the, day, the year I came back, and then that was ninety. That was ninety four. Yeah, at the end of ninety four, and then Liam came in in ninety five, and I sort of I, I said at ninety four I was gone after that, you know, and uh, Liam Liam remember Liam had a good long talk and. Funny enough, when Lehman ring you at 11 o'clock at night, it usually goes into about 1 o'clock the next day. So I had a good chat with him. Had a, felt very good after speaking to him. And, you know, I felt he was on the right track once he got the backing. And he did get the backing in fairness to him. And he brought in, brought in great people with him. Great backroom team. And, you know, as I said, that's where the positivity started. And that's what we needed going forward. 95, I think 95 awfully beat us. But he hadn't, he was only... And they were calling for his head, big time for his head. And I remember talking to him after, and I said, "I hope you haven't." He said, "I've never, I've never give up batting at the bottom." And he was dead right. Because the following year, he was at the top, and well, well deserved for the effort he put in and what he done for Wexford. Ninety-five, you got a hat trick against Westmead, was it? Yeah, that funny enough. Now in ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-six, and ninety-seven were probably. After playing, but things just sort of fall, start to fall into order there at that time, you know. And I was um, just the ball. Anytime the ball seemed to come in, I always felt confident getting it. I would have. I started to move me in full forward in '94. It was actually or '92. I was going very well there, and I got two bad breaks of fingers up in Galway. Got me knuckle shattered, and I I was out of the game for about three months. You know, it was bad from the beginning. And Cyril Farrell at that time, I remember Cyril brought me great time for Cyril Farrell, I have to be honest. Another another great man, probably didn't get long enough either, to be honest with you, but a really good hurling man, really players man. That's all that mattered to him, the players, and and loved the game of hurling. But I, I was lucky that I had some very good manners in, or managers in, in the likes of, near, coming near the end of my career, in, in the likes of Cyril Farrell, you know, so other, other good Martin Quigley. These, these guys were good, strong hurling people, you know. Christy Coward is the one who gave me a chance in 84 and had a lot of time for Christy as well. But uh, when Griffin came, the whole thing just changed as regards the, the end product. And he was the one that brought that end product. Did you ever think like maybe 84, I think 85 you lost the leash. Three years in order, 85 to 87, where you just had one game and you were done. Did that, yeah. did that ever like question your commitment? No, because... Um, they, 
I, I enjoyed my hurling at that stage, but the war building a new team was a, I think it, the likes of Tom Dempsey started to come on there, Liam Turner, Dermot Pender, all these, all these guys had won all Ireland's with St. Peter's and they had a, so it was always going to take a while for, for them to get that team gelled together. And it took us 88 when we had a, we beat Kilkenny in 88. I think Martin quickly scored three goals that day and we qualified for the, the Leinster final went very well in the league and again you know we're awfully beast good awfully team people didn't probably didn't give the credit that was due to the awfully team they beat us in the 88 Leinster final and there was no back door there was no league system we got one or two games and it, it was gone you know but the league the league at that time was was a big thing you played a couple of games before Christmas then you played a couple of games after Christmas and we all, we were always able there thereabouts in the league and I think in the length of time I played at Wexford from 82 to, to 98, we were relegated once. And that was in around that 85, 86 area when uh, when we got, I think we were relegated down to Division 2. We came straight back up the following year and ended up in the Leinster final. Do you think maybe you said you started really to hurl well after 92 and started moving to full forward? My memories of your hurling, and I, I can't imagine you playing anywhere else other than full forward, were <laughs> you maybe... Was it maybe a decision that should have been made earlier that you should, full forward was your spot as opposed to half forward or midfield? Well, they always loved playing there. But in fairness to Wexford, they had some pretty good full forwards at that time coming up along there, you know. I mean, Tony was there till 80, 84. Then Jimmy Hoolan came along. and Jimmy probably didn't get the respect that he, that he deserved for, for his hurling. He uh, was a brilliant full forward, very good on, on the high ball. Again, you know, and, and he was a natural full forward at that time. I actually loved playing in the middle of the field, half half back. I used to play in, in centre-back with Gorey, but was always midfielder, half forward, and then I played with Wexford. And it wasn't until, but I always liked playing full forward. I always, you know, I always felt that, that um, if I got the ball, I could score. I had a good eye for goal. And especially if I had the little man, Tom Dempsey, alongside me, we, we used to get on fairly well together, you know. Um, he was a he was a good man to have alongside you. If you got the ball, he was always close to you. You'd be able to find him, and if you first if you found Tom with the ball, he would finish it. You know, so at that once to move me in in '82, I, I I I had been playing with Corey that time. He used to play me a lot in around full forward. You know, and and uh, so I like I liked it there. To be honest with you, and if you like playing in a position, it's, it's half the it's half the job really. And how does uh how does or did Tom feel about being referred to as the little man <laughs> well it, it doesn't unless unless you you're play, basically play with him you only realize how good tom was i mean he was a brilliant midfielder when he came on the game team first i think he might have been playing in the half back line but uh for a guy who wasn't six foot two or six foot three he was very good on a high ball his first touch was very good he was one of these i i have to say is one of the best hurlers i played with and um Played and played again when we played the alley. It was a bit scaldy, all right, when you play again. But in fairness, he was, he was, a, he was a good one. He, he got booked one time for. We were playing out in out in Munamalin, and uh, Tom was playing on me, and Dickie Murphy was uh, was refereeing, and uh, Tom, I had got seven stitches playing with Wakesford the week before, and at that time, like you just played the club matches, just went ahead, and we we're playing him, and Tom. I wasn't going too bad, but I went down this sort. I was going by Tom and he gave a great little flick and he knew exactly what he was going to copy right. And he opened up the stitches again, 
But Dickie caught him doing it in fairness and booked him. <laughs> and booked him. Well, he done some whinging. He's still whinging. He's still whinging the training the following week about it and all. But Dickie, Dickie and Ferris didn't book too many of the alley lads at that time. <laughs> as, as your father would probably tell you. But I uh, know he was a he was a gas card gas card. He should have been sent off. I thought, to be honest. With you. Was there something that you you observed? Obviously, you knew your job that you had to do. But was there something you observed during the game, or was it your experience? that allowed you to come into a game, you know, a high-intensity game and get straight into it without needing, you know, a period to settle down? Well, if I, in fairness, when, when at the end of the career, when I was being brought in, once you knew the ball was going to be coming into you, and there's not, I would have played full forward to start the week, so then we would have been scoring 16, 17 wides, and you'd have a crick in your neck looking at the ball going over your head wide, and the, the ball wasn't basically coming into you. You know, and if you were a full forward and you're standing there for five, ten minutes and there's no ball coming into you, well, that's when it's very, very hard to keep that to keep that aggression that you're holding if you don't get the ball. And and any back will tell you that the one good thing about marking a guy, if the ball is not coming in, he's not going to be he's not going to be in much danger. So when when I was put in and I was in full forward, I knew that the ball was going to be coming in. That's a big, big help. If you see the likes of Adrian Finnan, who was very quick to strike a ball, Brown in the air, whichever way, Liam Dunn the same. You know, the, these guys, when they got the ball, didn't take too much of it. And the other thing is that they must have had a certain belief in me for to hit the ball into me. So if I had the belief in them that I was going to come in, like they must have had some sort of belief in myself or whoever else was in the full forward line at the time that we, we were able to score. And when when it does when it happens once or twice, as I said to you, that that one sticks in my mind was in Mexico Park in the Welsh Cup. That's when you say to yourself, "Yeah, this this is the way of the game. There is a plan here. It's not just out on the field. Give it your all. You have to have a plan going in." And that was the thing about Liam. He had a very good plan. You fit it into that plan. If you didn't, they have someone. Everyone has a bad day. They have someone else to fit into that plan and to change the game. And that would that that was probably. We were very, we were looking that the likes of Paul Carter, Rory McCarthy, these lads were coming onto the team, Rod Guiney, all these guys were coming onto the team as well. And Colm, like all these lads had played together, they had been involved in this, the finals, were young lads coming through, they'd won with colleges and that. And, you know, there was a certain amount of confidence with them that that when you get young lads like that and and the confidence rubs, rubs off then onto the experienced guys, it is, a, it is a big help. But, um, yeah, it was a very enjoyable time, you know, the last four or five years, which were very enjoyable. And for the work I put in from about 1982, that was, it was I thought myself I deserved it. But, but it, you don't, it, deserving something is, is okay, but actually winning it is, is, is something else. And did I read that you you took this visualisation to another level? Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, and, and and I tell you, um, and this is where Neve his party came in. You'd be given different words to work on, different different things. You have to go through different scenarios. You'd have to see yourself, maybe the fullback catching the ball, and instead of thinking, "Oh my God, he's caught the ball," your job was to block him. So block him into your head straight away. It was in your mind before the ball. If once you didn't get the ball, it was your job to get a block or a hook. And it was just it was the same working say at the other end as regards going through a, a phase that you're brought in with 10 minutes to go you see this high ball coming in you see yourself catching it you see yourself 
turn around and you see yourself scoring a goal. And I would have, at that time, I used to call down Munster, would have been passing by Welsh Park or would have been passing by maybe Carrick Swans or to Turles if it was open, even into our own pitches up here in Gory or even Ferns. You'd pick maybe a pitch, a pitch once a day and just call into it and sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and see all this going on, see the crowd reacting when something positive happens. And it does, if you do it enough times, you do start to believe it, I honestly. And it's a thing now when you be training young lads that you'd be saying the same to them. But we didn't, this this really didn't come to our door until Liam brought in Eve Fitzpatrick. And she was saying that this is what the great athletes do. This is what the great, and you're saying, if, if, yeah, but maybe we're not great. Like, But then when you start, when you start going through this and you start to believe it, and then it happens, as I was saying to you, it happens that once or twice. Then it just comes natural to you. And if you were playing a game, if you're doing something that just comes natural to you, you don't think twice. You're not thinking about whether you don't get it or not. It just happens. And that's what the, the point that, that Neve would have been saying. We go over and go over and go over so many times in your head. It will happen because it'll just come natural to you. So you could see you could see Adrian Finland hitting the ball and you could see Liam Dunn, you know, making his this sidestep he give and delivering the ball. And you could see yourself catching it and you could see the end product. And like there would have been a lot of people looking at me in Welsh Park and down in Carrick Swans in Carrick on Shore or even in, in Dungarvan thinking, what's this guy about? Like, because I'd be doing it fairly regular, regularly, like, you know, I'd be going in there sitting down. At that time, I was traveling for Guinnesses and you'd have a suit on you and you'd be wondering mm. who you are or what was going on. And uh, But it was all part of the process that we needed to do and everyone had bought into it. I wouldn't have been the only one to be doing things like that. You know, you had these small little things that you'd done that, that helped you focus on on, um, on the positive end of getting a good positive result. And again, if you it's the same as driving a car. If you do it naturally, don't even think about changing the gears. You just change the gears. And it is, it's a, it's a strange thing, but with the mind, it does work wonders if you work it in the right way. So you never you never had to break into a stadium or climb a wall or anything. It was just open. Just most, it's, at that time, there would have been more, the likes of Welsh Park would have been open. Someone would have been in there. You'd never, you wouldn't have to, you'd find some, there's a lot of GA pitches out there that were always open. And uh, it was lucky enough, the only one that wouldn't have been good, it was a good one if you were able to get into it, was a uh, Turles, you know, would have been only in it maybe once or twice. Walsh Park was always open because they were doing work in it. And the same with, with Carrick Swans pitching in Carrick on shore, you know, you'd um, or Carrick Davids, there was, there was one at each side of the river and you'd call into it. We won there in Ballyduff going through Walford as well. I would have I mean, no one's out in the middle of the country, no one in it, but you'd go in there and just go go through these things in your mind that could see a change in the game. And that's what we had to do. And in fairness to Neve, she definitely set it in stone in my head anyway. And, and I feel it was a big part of, of not just my game at that time, but all the guys' games. You know, they they were all doing their end of it. And we knew we were doing it, which is a big help. If you, if you know everyone has bought into it and they had bought into it, and that, that without a doubt, that was the difference of us winning and losing. It was the difference between winning by a point or the usual losing by a point. And uh, what happened in the last, say, from 96, 97, all along there was that we, we believed that we were going to be winning by a point instead of losing by 
And when you were visualizing in the stadium, saying Turles, did you visualize having a cut at John Henderson? No. <laughs> Man, we, we had done that a few, year, a few years earlier. <laughs> so the day of having a cut at John was no, we, we've done enough cuts on John. In fairness, no, John done a few cuts himself. <laughs> It has to be said, but uh, yeah, we had some tough days with John Harry. But uh, I think myself and Tom come out the better of it in the end. He did. <laughs> he did. Uh, I, did. I remember talking to him a few years ago. We were telling him what, what we would have done, you know, because at that time, like he was a savage of a man on the edge of the square. We weren't too bad because we were out out a bit. We would have been moved in in that time, maybe into the corner forward or or a wing forward at that stage, you know. But. Uh, at that time, you were coming up again a different, a different animal in the likes of Pat O'Dwyer. Complete skill, physically he was very strong. Complete skill. You had Kevin Keenan of Offaly, the same, a big man in that, but had a lot of skill on the edge of the square. So, it really there was nothing came into your head about you know you didn't the likes of John Henderson or the fullback didn't really you didn't you didn't see him coming. All you saw was the ball and the end product. You saw yourself turning to the left. Or to the right and finish it off whichever side, you know. And and funny enough, now two or three of the goals that I got in the latter year were kicked in. But but as I, I remember, we, we used to get hooked a good bit. And Liam says, if you're not able to get the striking, kick it. You can. It's better off kicking the ball thirty yards than to be hooked in the in the in one spot and the ball taken off you. So you probably saw George in the All Ireland where he would have kicked a lot of ball. You know, and this this is what I mean. George kicking the ball, he could drive a fifty yards with a kick anyway. But uh, they, these were the small little things that that turned the whole game. Instead of throwing the ball up between three Kilkenny lads, the blocking you taking the ball and driving it down the field, kick it, take the three of them out of the game, kick the ball, take the three Kilkenny lads out of the game, get the ball into space and move it on from there. Small little things that that would have made a big big difference. So we're not going to get the details on the John Henderson incident. <laughs> I'd say Tom Dempsey would probably tell you a better better way, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we had we were picked then back in I think it was eighty, was it nine? It could be ninety anyway. But Jimmy Holan usually was full far. Jimmy very good full far, but John Henderson was an animal on the edge of the square. But then the boys had decided in their wisdom that they wanted two corner forwards. Two quick, fast corner forwards. So Tom was picked on one side, naturally enough. I was picked on the other. <laughs> and you're looking for the, we, have, we were coming back in the car, and Peter Laffin was the taxi driver. Peter loved John Henderson. He was always on about Henderson, this and Henderson, that. So we were to tell no on the team going back. Highly confidential. Funny enough, it was on the 11 o'clock news, and yeah, again, we got home. But anyway, we were telling him. <laughs> Peter says, tell it. No, no, I can't tell you. Can't, can't tell you. Can't tell you. So anyway, coming through Kamalim, we decided we'd tell him. So we went through the whole team and he now come to the full forward line. Top of the left, Tom Dempsey. Full forward, Jimmy Holland. Top of the right, Billy Bourne. And Peter laughing goes, oh, Jesus, Henderson, he killed the two of you, see? He killed the two of you. <laughs> and Tom was in the front of the car and Tom turned around to me and he says, hey, Jesus, he won't kill us. Willie Billy, he says to me, and I was sitting in the back. So we anyway, we decided that he wouldn't kill us. But the first pie ball to come in, that the two of us had just run in and pull as hard as we could on anything. 
and anything being John Henderson, <laughs> to be honest, didn't So, Jewel, in fairness, George got a ball out around the, the half forward line, half midfield, and this high drop ball come in, and Jimmy and, and John Henderson went for it. Henderson used to bat everything, but he bat with force now. So I ran in, and I, and I pulled about a foot high, and I got him around the shin. And Tom <laughs> come in, and Tom pulled another foot higher, and that'll tell you where that hit him. But he went down. <laughs> he went down, and the St. John and God's lad used to be at the back of the goal. And uh, they come running in, and that time, Nicky, I think it was Nicky, um, the Nicky Brennan was was the manager, of, and he came running in, and Tom says, we walked over towards an alley stand, myself and Tom, and Tom says, I mean, all killing Billy today. <laughs> Tom was saying, no killing Tom today either. And I turned around, and next me, Henderson was getting up. Now he, he got a fair shot now, I will say. He was getting up. And Jimmy Holden was there sort of asking him, are you all right? And John, Jimmy didn't know what happened. And Tom, Tom lets a shout out, and Jay's, you could hear him out on Tony Broad. He said, that's the way to give it to that lad, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Billy, let's get out of here. So Tom, so James pulled out Jimmy Holden and got some heart for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> I just met him up and down the field. Oh, James, anyway, we drew that day. It was a draw. We were brought back out to the middle of the field. We weren't going well in the corner forward. The doors are brought out and I think George scored a goal. In the last minute, and we played him the replay in Torles. We actually beat him in the replay down in Torles. But uh, oh, Tom was some baby. Oh, <laughs> when did Jimmy find out? We didn't tell Jimmy until the following week or the before, before the replay. <laughs> Jesus, Jimmy, I didn't know what had happened to him. I, I did know, and I wouldn't have pulled high on many lads, but I did. But Tom come in, lads. And like I was definitely, I got him at the top of the shins, but Tom got him where you wouldn't want to be got out. And Jesus went down like a sack of spuds. He was down for about five minutes. And I, I said to Tom, Jesus, this lad is getting up. And Tom turned around and he let her. That's the way to give it to that lad, Jimmy. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, there's some, some crack with Tom at, at, at times now. And look, we had, a, and I have to say, we did enjoy, for the length of time we were together, we did enjoy each other's company it has to be said now you know sometimes you might have enjoyed it a little bit too much but uh, you know it was it was all part of the game then like things that we would have things that you would have done then like you wouldn't do now with this whatsapp and phones and everything because you'd be dropped i'd say after, after the, the, the goings on at that time but it was it was all it was simple enough and it was a uh, you know, it was, it was a good time and we had good times together. But what really makes it in the end is that you get an end result. And myself and Tom and, and Martin and, and George were very lucky that way. The guy, the guys that came after us, they had another, the likes of Dickton Road, Gerald, all these younger lads had the but Like, they didn't have as many losses as we had coming up that weren't carrying that baggage. And it was nice to, to, to get over the line, to be honest with you. And how do the days of travelling to matches with Tom Dempsey, Peter Laffin and the Gory District boys compare to travelling to matches these days with Liam Strat? <laughs> I tell you, there was never any expense spared on the Gory boys. Now, I have to be honest, we had, we had a taxi or we had a minibus. That, that's the way it was. But uh, yeah, it's, like, it's different now, the game, the way it has gone so professional. We're still amateur in ways, but the game itself has gone so professional. And we'll probably have to change a small bit for to try and bring Wexford back to where, where they were back in the, we say, the 60s and the 70s along there, you know. Um, 
we died away a bit in the 80s, we came in the 90s, but it was going to take a big push for the train get us back to where they were back in, in, in the heyday of Wexford Hurling. And um, I said, I go to a lot of matches now, and no matter what match I go to Wexford, you're sort of expecting them to win. Over the last number of years, and I have to be honest now, in the last five or six years, we've been very, very competitive with the best of teams out there. We just probably need to find that one or two exceptional hurlers for to make us into a very good team. I think we're a good team at the minute. I think we do need to find two or three in certain areas, pivotal areas, and if we find them, I think we have a very, very good team. Yourself and one other would have made the odd phone call to Sylvie Lenan the night before. <laughs> that was, I think that was that was back about 86, 85, 86, and, and maybe it could might be a bit later, but Sylvie was at his peak, but we were playing and we were playing him in in an Oroctus final. And um and we went over the night before. We were playing him in Latin Ray it was, but we were staying. Johnny must have been a five himself, Dickie Murphy and, and Johnny Murphy were in were in the in the room. And Dickie was play, picked to play corner forward. And we were there and at that time and in the hotel room we had this uh, phone directory. And Johnny was looking in, looking at, and he come across Sylvie the Nan's number. And he said, Jez, he's a plant hire is what he was at the time. So Johnny got the phone and he had got a line out and phoned Sylvie. And he says it was Sylvie that answered the phone. And he, and he says, Sylvie, this is Dickie Murphy here. I'm going to hurl to show you how you tomorrow and put the phone down. <laughs> and Dickie, <laughs> Dickie Murphy, he nearly collapsed today. So he went, Dickie was playing carnivore on Sylvie. Next morning, Christy Joe was over the team and Dickie went over to Christy and said, Christy, to be honest with you, I think I'd be better on the far corner. I strike him off, <laughs> better off the left hand side. <laughs> but that, at that time, they were innocent enough things, you know. But uh, Johnny was a gas man, a brilliant hurler as well, you know. But, uh, no, as, as I say, I, I had good times. I enjoyed my stint with the footballers as well. I had made some very good friends. I was friends to this day. And um, I was lucky to wear the extra jersey. It was a privilege to wear it. And it's still a privilege to go out and look at a plane. And tell us about this this horse that was named after you. Burn, Billy Burn. He going well? He's not going now, and yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, punch the wire had a... Called, he called one big Jared and he called one after me, one after Jared Cush and one after myself, Burn Billy Burn. And uh, he rang me one, I think it was a Thursday night, and he says, We're going to Kilmallock. He says, Kilmallock, I thought he says, There's a point to point down there and this horse is running. And I says, This the one you need, yeah, he says, Burn Billy Burn. I says, Is he any good, Pudge? He's a machine. Pudge says to me, and I said, Jason, we go look at this machine. Anyway, on the way down, anyway, we had the team Bruff and Kilmallock, and you're coming down this bit of a hill, and you have this Taj Mahal of a place, um, it's JP McManus. And um, on we go, anyway, and Pudge says, We might be going in there on the way back. I says, For what? To sell this horse. That's Pudge says. So on we went to Kilmallock, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a whole lot of money on it anyway, but in fairness, the horse was running well up to that. But he actually, he, he broke down. Going around the second circle, I think he broke down. He went down into a hollow. All the horses went down into it, and when they come up over it, he didn't come up over And uh, we didn't call into J.P. McManus's on the way home anyway, because the poor old horse, he didn't, I don't, I don't think he recovered from that. And just tell you, the game... 
the game of horses is a is a is a feeble game, you know. I mean, he had he had he had great actually the one call after Jer that won a few races, but a bit like my early career at Wexford, the horse didn't didn't win too many. But uh, it was nice to have a call after me in Paris, you know. You won you won a couple of intermediate championships with Gory, but uh, Big Ben wants me to remind you of the '89 final. Yeah, well, that was one that sort of we thought we had it and it got away in Paris. I um, we, we actually we got off to a very good start that day, but a very good friend of mine who was actually who was living in Anne, remember played on him in, in the league quarter final down in the down in Turles. Tom Bourne was actually at the other end, uh, and he he went to town in the second half that day and really some. Some hurler, his wrist work was brilliant, but that was a fair game of hurling, if I remember, because it was there was a lot of scores in it. Choppers Dunbar, I think, come on me in the second half. We got one ball, threw it out, and Pat Bourne nearly cut me in half. And we got <laughs> we got a 21 yard free. And uh, or was it a penalty? We got a penalty at that time. And we missed the penalty, and Fernand sort of took over from there and deserved a victory in the end, you know. Deserved it. We came back the following year, but unfortunately, when that time we won. I won a few intermediate medals, but any time we won it, the team that we won it was an aging team. You know, you're going up senior with a few guys who were going to retire, and we found it very hard. The last time we won, won intermediate back in 2016, the average age of the team was 22 years of age. When I won it, the average age was 32. You know, so you need if you're if you win intermediate and ferns. The same as ourselves have found out that you do need to win it with a young team if you're going to make any sort of an impact on the senior end of it. So when they won it back in 2016, you know, we knew we had a good future in the game. They still have a very talented bunch of lads who would be capable of winning it again, but they need to come together like they did in 2016. They need to be a little bit more disciplined in themselves. And I think they'd give any team a good run for it if they do. I was told now that you were on, you were on Joe Morris at first. Then they moved Pat Byrne on to you. And then at the end, when all else failed, they had to throw choppers on Byrne in on you with a broken leg to sort you out. Well, funny enough, you should say that. I think they tried to the hold a furnace on me that day. And it was just, <laughs> I got tired. That's that's what happened to me. In fairness, choppers done a good job of me, you know. They done it. We, we, um, I think we were winning by about five or six points at one stage. But I remember Tom Byrne, I think Tom scored two, 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 three in the second half. For Ferns that day, yeah, he, he was he was exceptional that day. But I think the Ferns team were a better team. They were younger too, you know, and they were going to make it. We we just our legs were gone at that stage. But uh, it was a fair game of hurling. But ourselves and Ferns used to have good old games. Now I'll have to say, would have played on on day and uh, been a few times now. Oh yeah, how did it go? Did he last? Did he last longer than the other fellas? I tell you the truth, I destroyed him. <laughs> 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 oh, he was a tough man now in fairness to him he would have came out on top a good two times <laughs> I believe you had a, a run out at cornerback for Ireland too in Ballinasloe did you? I did actually we played rest of Ireland like I think I had to tell you now you have your you, know, you got your information good on you whoever telling you but I played um, I picked with the rest of Ireland myself and Tom Dempsey George were over and I was in 88 Galway with all early champions so you had to go over and play him there and stayed the night before and at that time you sure you went over and like you did as I say you wouldn't do it now but you would have had a 
few drinks and you would have enjoyed yourself. And the next day, anyway, the team was picked and um, Tom was cornerback, Tom Dempsey. And now the teams are down on the field and I was sitting in the dugout and he had a tracksuit on me and uh, Tom, Babs Keaton was over us. And uh, he turned around and he said, Tom Dempsey says, you're cornerback. And Tom says, I, I am not. So Tom, I never played cornerback before. I'm not going to play it today either. And he looked at, he looked up and he says, Is anyone there play cornerback? And I said, I will. <laughs> I took Dempsey's place, but didn't play cornerback. And George was, in fairness, George was out in front of me. He was wingback. And any ball that came in, it didn't come in too high. I knew because George would have been catching it. But Jesus, every ball that came in, I was able to get him. I had a right game. I ended up getting man of the match in it and everything. <laughs> Poor old Dempsey. They never brought on Dempsey. <laughs> he was nipped. Babs wouldn't bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Peter Laffin was our was our taxi man for that as well. Uh, we had a good crew now. In, in they used to travel together, very good crew. <laughs> ah, yeah, there, there. Nice things to to, to say. You, you played more in them places, you know, because there used to be some crowds. That be, I mean, seven or eight thousand of these. I would have played in about four or five of them, you know, and would have enjoyed them. You were well looked after, and I mean, would have enjoyed them, and and. Uh, Got to know lads that you would have wouldn't have known, like Cork lads, Limerick lads, Gavi, like you would have got to know these guys, and sure, basically they're they're strong, typical GA player, just want to play the game and, and enjoy for what it was. You'd be fairly involved in in coaching for the for a long time, yeah. I would have been. I should look at near the same anything. You only try and give back something that that you would have got from the likes of your father or the people that, that were over your club even at county level I would have been involved with, with a lot of the with Tom Dempsey and Liam Dunn with a minor team back in 2008 that Paul Morris you know Matt Johan and Liam Oldman Govern I think there was eight of them you know about five or six years ago there was eight of them on the, on the senior hurling team 2018 I was involved with there's a good few of them after coming through and that, that's what you get involved in these teams to try and bring them through for the play senior hurling and and I would have been involved in a few of the teams that would have came through there with combined colleges and then mainly with my own club. I've done a lot of uh, underage with my own club and would have been involved with a lot of guys. And when you're involved with your own club, it's not just about the game of hurling, it's about the community, it's about giving something back to them, it's about letting them feel part of the community. And that's that's what the game, the GAA is all about. It's not just playing for one hour. It's, and I would meet a lot of guys I've been training young lads from the time from actually 94 is when I started to get involved with, and with underage teams and that and it's nice especially around Christmas time when a lot of them come home from a lot of them that went abroad or come home and they sit down and have a chat with you and they remember them times and that's what it's about it's about you know I keep saying it it's not just for that one hour of playing the match it's a hell of a lot more to do with the community and where they come from and giving respect to them and they're giving respect back to that community. And I'm still involved with under under 12 and under 13s and I'm involved with the under 15s at county level. Some good talent in it as well. I keep saying that we probably have to try and bring more through as regards our, our colleges, as regards, we say, our own schools in Mexico. We haven't, I think Peters haven't made a breakthrough since 1992, 93, you know, we don't win too many colleges. I think that's where the gap is at the minute. We're not really making them, whereas before, you know, the likes of Agori Community School, going back over the years, the talent that's came through there, the likes of Peters, like good counsel will always be there, but like they are not a complete uh, Wexford 
outfit they have a lot of kid Kenny lads with him and that's why they, like they are always able to compete but I think for us to be back at the top at, at senior into county level this is where we need to make the breakthrough we need to and it's got the CBS's would say even to a certain degree FCJ and Claudie the same all these need to be made and we need to be starting winning titles and, and we're not at the minute and I think a lot of that is, is, is down to bring, bring, trying to bring him through in the schools and if I think if we do that that's where the Limericks, the Kilkenny's, you know, even the Galways, they, that's why they are at the top. And we need to be up there with them. It's going to take a fair drive from everyone. And everyone will point the reasons why it's not happening. I prefer to try and put the reasons in there why it will happen. And I think that's the big the big sort of job that's ahead of us for the train, do something at that end of it. Who's the best player you've ever played with? Played with? I was lucky enough to play with DJ Carey, I have to say. He was the best Brian Whelan as a back, but as as a man for to get the crowd going, for to really, you know, when, when Kenny needed something, he just he was able to pull it out over the over hat. You know, he was definitely the best I played with and played again. So was this was this full forward with DJ in the corner beside you? Yeah, I would or have him coming in from wing forward and throw it out to him, take less of the hardship just to give him the hardship. But he because you know he'd finish it, but he was uh I was exceptionally still the best, I think. Uh, I think Canning is a close second to him, but I still rate DJ the best I've seen. Who is the toughest player you played against? I would have to say the little man that we brought up earlier, uh Sylvie Lanan. And and a lot of people said he was he was he was teeth tough, but he was a serious hurler. Very, very good hurler. Jerry Henderson at Kilkenny, and when I came on the scene first, Jerry would have been a guy that would have been coming up again. I actually saw him at the match there the other day, but he was a brilliant hurler. And then you when when you when you look at Kieran Carey of uh, of of Limerick and for the position he played in and for what he brought to the game of hurling. There was a lot of standout performers, Shawnee McMahon as well, that you would have came up at loan, all these guys. But it, I, I still think that um, if, if you're going for, it's very, very hard to pick one player. But if you were going for a forward, you'd have to be going for a DJ. If you're going for a back, you'd have to be going for Brian Mina. What type of hurl did you use? I used to always use a Randall hurl. Sometimes they were hard to get, but I, it was just everyone liked to have a Randall. And uh, the end of it, then like, like Brian Walsh would have had horrors that you would have dealt with when I was playing with the club. But Randall would have been the main one that you would have played with in my time. And in fairness, Albert always looked after us fairly well. Anytime we needed horrors, they were, they were always there for us. Who is the one player that you'd go to war with? One player to go to war with? I'd say the little man at number six in the All Ireland, Liam Dunn. Because you would be going to war. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember him. I remember him. Uh, he played Cork down in Cork one day, and was in the league. And um, there was a guy by the name of Timmy Keller, I think it was, and he was wing back. And he hit. I think it was Adrian Fennell. He hit a dirty stroke. He hit him bad. Now, but we went in at half time, and we're all and we're all looking. And before we went out. We were all getting ready to go out and we're actually, I think we were leading at half time, but, but uh, we're going out and Liam Dunn closed the door and he turned around and he says, as simple as this now, guys, if our forwards are going to get it down one end, their forwards are going to get it up our end. And he stood by his word. I will say that because <laughs> after five minutes, Timmy Keller comes all on up the field, but he didn't go back down. 
<laughs> I, I swear. I said, and, and I, you know, he was a man of his word. He, if he said something, he done it. And he was a, uh, oh, he was teak tough. But he had some, like he was an artist with a heart. But if you were going to war, if you had him on your side, you'd be all right. Yeah. And what's your favorite or most memorable moment from your career? Well, I suppose we would, you'd have a few, but you'd have to go for the 97 uh, Leinster final. And the reason being is that we won the Leinster final in 96 and we beat awfully, and no disrespect there. But unless you beat Kilkenny in the Leinster final, so, and that was the big thing coming into it. Offaly were by far probably the top team in Leinster at that time, but still Kilkenny were the team that you wanted to be in the Leinster final. And it wasn't a Leinster final unless you beat Kilkenny in it. And I think the crowd must have 60, around 60,000 at that Leinster final. Everyone was telling you how big the crowds were at Munster finals and you couldn't beat a Munster final. But for that Leinster final, Munster wouldn't have reached the crowd that, that was in Crow Park that day. And I have to say, people here, you often say, you feel the ground shake. I actually did feel the ground shake that day. After uh, after we scored a goal, the, the, the just it was unbelievable the, the feeling. Standing there and feeling that the the strength of the crowd cheer was was unbelievable and to win it, and you could feel Paul Cod took a free from under the Hogan stand, and he just pinned it, and you could feel that this all they they had gone. I think they were ahead of us by a point, and you could feel that this this game is that. And as I was saying, to you, just felt we were going to win that game. Just for that 10 minutes, the most enjoyable 10 minutes that I ever stood on the field was certainly that day. But we had in, in that period of that two to three year, there was a lot of times that you would have stood in the last 10 minutes and felt this is a good place to be for Wexford. You got you got the old watch for that one as well? Yeah, I got got, got one or two watches, but I got that one and, and that that is the one that, that um, got man of the match. To be honest with you, Cyril Farrell picked a great man to pick a hurler. I'd say that from him. <laughs> he, he picked the man of the match that day. I met him a few weeks after and I was saying it to him. But I, I had great respect for Cyril. But I am, um, it's just amazing because I would have played in, in the 80s and the early 90s and would have had serious games. I thought I would have played very well. And lads, I tell you, he played very well, but you would never came out with a. I remember scoring 3 4 one day. And, no, I didn't didn't get down and watch that day either, you know. I said yes. But eventually again, what do they say? Good things come to those who wait. I'm sure. I was waiting for a fair length. But that that uh it was nice to have it. It still hasn't been used yet. I don't know. It's still there, keeps the time fairly regularly, but uh, <laughs> it wouldn't you wouldn't wear it too often. It's just a nice thing to go with the other few trophies that come on around that time. Now, last thing, Billy. Are we going to be Walsh Cup champions on Saturday? Uh as I said to you. Um, I feel that this week's her team, when they really perform and play to their, it takes a fair team to beat. And I think Galway, I don't, I don't think Galway have got over the Joe Canning thing yet. And just looking at their the other night, like there's another two or three years still in Joe Canning. There's certain about that, but we've had good results against Galway over the last, apart from the Leinster final going back to 2017. You know, we've stood with the best. In Leinster, and uh, the, I think the home fans, we big crowd down there. I think the atmosphere there last week for the first night in lights was, was brilliant, and it was a great match as well. And I think it'll be the same. It is a league, there is league points available as well. And um, I'd be interested to see the team he picks, but uh, you know, I don't, you're still 
you haven't got Rory, there's still a few guys that are to come back there that you won't have. But Galway are probably the same. But I, I still think that uh, any time you're playing for for a trophy, it's well worth going over. And I think Richard will go for it on Saturday. Thank you very much, Billy. Thanks, Billy. That was class. Well, lads, thank you very much. Damien Fitzhenry is the best of what he did to ever play with. Unquestionably the best there ever was. My God, he was just so good. A magician. I'm the youngest in the 15, uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just stuck you in the goal then. Yeah, well, uh, a so-called goal, uh, two tar barrels. Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know, I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. Thanks very much to Billy for coming out with us. It was amazing to have him on, really, wasn't it? It certainly was. Um, I don't know if you were talking to him, Gary, but this is the first week that I didn't ask Shane to come on. Oh, why not? Uh, he obviously got wind the Ferns dinner dance was on Saturday night and he obviously got wind that Dara Egan was there presenting the medals so he tried to come in to the event I don't believe he had a ticket I was on the other side of the room now and there was a lot of commotion going on oh dear and he ended up getting escorted out so I just didn't feel that maybe he's probably not in the right frame of mind to become on a podcast now and he's probably a little embarrassed. Hopefully, hopefully we can get him on next week. Don't forget to ask him. Please, God. Yeah, I, I, will, I will. I will. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, the Enniscorthy Credit Union. Up Wexford. And sorry to John Henderson. Most importantly... I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pain. Come on, Wexford!